Welcome to Folk Liar. I'm the Chief Liar Bran. I'm going to tell you a lie, but I'm also going to tell you two pieces of authentic folklore. If you can figure out which of the three stories is a lie, you could win a luxurious mug. All the details are real, except for the story I made up. And if you know your folklore, you should be able to spot the fake. I've rewritten all the stories in my own style, so whether you are a folklore expert or not, you can still have fun listening and take a guess anyway. I'll tell you how you can enter and win at the end of the show. Tall tales were the theme of our last episode, and boy howdy did we have some tall ones to pick from. You were asked to consider the stories of the priest and the pears, the baron and the tigers, and the old woman and the fairy, and then decide which was the fake created by me. Several of you were able to guess correctly that the story of the baron and the tigers was the fake, and many congratulations to those of you who did. But extra congratulations to A.B., who was selected as last episode's winner of the luxurious mug. Well done, everyone, and thanks for playing the game to all of you. In 1755, the British decided they didn't want any more French folks hanging around the east coast of Canada, and so rounded them up and shipped them off to other portions of their colonial holdings. Called Acadians for the region of Canada they were from, the name was corrupted by regional dialects in Louisiana to the now more familiar term Cajun. Their society quickly became a mix of their French heritage and other local heritages which included African and fledgling American influences, all of which left a colorful culture with a number of interesting stories to tell, several of which involved tricky dealings and untrustworthy individuals. For example, no one likes a cheat who tries to take advantage of others, and every culture usually has a few lessons about dealing with people fairly, especially strangers in a new land. Every so often, though, the cheat meets someone who is far sharper than they are. And that's when the stories get amusing. In the back of the back bayou, there was a man who ran an inn. It was not a very profitable business, and he made a meager living day to day on the one or two patrons who came by on their way to somewhere else. So when a traveling salesman happened upon the inn during a storm and had the look of money about him, the innkeeper saw an opportunity to improve his fortunes. The peddler had traveled a long, difficult road across country better traveled by boat than wagon, made worse by the gale and torrential rain outside. Soaked to the skin, the salesman took a seat at the bar and ordered a drink to warm himself. Where are you from? asked the innkeeper as he filled the salesman's glass. North, mostly, said the salesman, in an accent more suited to the busy shops and offices of the city than a ramshackle inn deep in the back country. What do you sell? Odds and ends, things folks need, life improvements, answered the stranger, taking a healthy swig of the local brew. Fair enough, said the innkeeper, and went back to his business while eyeballing the stranger to see how much he might be worth. The storm lasted three full days, but at last broke. When the sun came out again, the traveling salesman decided to be on his way and thanked the innkeeper for his hospitality before asking to settle the bill. Now, the innkeeper had no reason to suspect he'd ever see the salesman again, 
After all, he was a stranger in these parts and only sought shelter at the inn because of the storm. So there couldn't be much harm in overcharging the man, and the innkeeper set the price for three nights shelter at $10, nearly twice the going rate. Without a word of complaint, the salesman paid it, and in his delight at the sum, the innkeeper offered the man a free mug of cider for the road. The northerner took a drink of the cider and mulled it over. You know, he said, this cider is pretty good, but it would make an even better apple brandy if you converted it with a new process I'm selling. I've got all the equipment for it if you're interested. You could make a fortune off it. Well, the innkeeper said he would certainly like to hear all about this process and how he could convert his cider to brandy, and eventually the two men agreed to a deal. In a show of good faith, for $10 up front, the salesman would show him how to do the conversion, and when the cider turned to brandy, the innkeeper could pay him the remaining $50 for the equipment. The innkeeper agreed this was more than fair. So both men went into the cellar where stood a giant cask of cider. The peddler examined the barrel carefully and, selecting a spot low down to one side, bored a hole into it. He instructed the innkeeper to jam his thumb into the hole to hold back the cider and wait while he went out and got the special converter equipment from his cart. The innkeeper eagerly jammed his thumb into the cask and waited while the salesman went upstairs, finished off his mug of cider, and drove off in the wagon. It seems that every culture has its story of apparently dim-witted individuals who somehow manage to come out on top, regardless of the circumstances. It's worth noting that this Cajun story begins with a misunderstanding over language, probably a common experience for the newly arrived Acadians, and then carries on from there. A young man grew up in Bayou Country in the early 1800s, and by the time he was coming of age, had earned the name foolish John. In part, this was because he was slow-witted and literal-minded, though never mean-spirited or malicious. And in part, it was because his mother only spoke French, while those around them made use of both French and English. And so foolish John was forever misunderstanding one person or another and getting things wrong. Which is how he came to shoot the family's only cow instead of milking it and so ended up with nothing more than a cowskin with head and horns attached to show for it. With no other choice, Foolish John's mother sent him to town with a hide, in the hopes that he could sell it to the tanner for some money with which to get through the winter. But rather than heading out at first light and so returning in time for dinner, Foolish John set out after dinner so that he wouldn't miss his meal and ended up traveling in the dark. As he went along, he came upon a large tree, and noticed its branches shaking and its limbs groaning against each other in the wind. Why that poor tree, thought he, it must be cold. I'll cover it with the skin to keep it warm for the night. And so saying, he climbed up the tree with a hide draped over himself to find a place to lay it. Just as he got into the upper branches, along came seven men all clad in black and carrying a large sack between them. One of the men bade them all to sit down under the tree as he pulled the sack close. It's time to divide our spoils and go our separate ways, said the man, and by this you may know they were robbers and bad men all. This is for me, 
said the leader, taking a coin out of the sack and placing it in front of himself. And this is for you, he said, handing the next man a coin. This he did around the circle until he got back to himself and started again, each man getting a coin as he went. Foolish John, perched above the circle of men, watched them all carefully, but got so carried away with things that each time the chief counted out a coin, John would pluck a hair from the cowhide and say, And one for me! Seven times he did this, and seven times again, and seven more besides, before he quite forgot himself. And one for me, he said so loudly that this time, one of the robbers below heard him, but could not see to find him, and instead cried out, Listen, tis the devil taking his share. But the chief shushed him, and told the man not to be such a fool, and carried on dividing up the enormous sum of money until it was all portioned out to each man, and foolish John had plucked the cowhide quite clean. Just then, John lost his grip on the limb, or perhaps it gave up under the weight of him, and down he went with a crash and a shout among the circle of thieves below. The hide landed atop him, all hairless and bare, with horns still attached, and thinking the devil really had come among them for their part in the evil deeds, the men fled leaving behind all their money in seven neat little piles. Foolish John, as surprised as anyone, gathered up all the coins and put them back in the sack. Then he climbed back up the tree and wrapped its branches in the hide so that it might pass the rest of the night warm, before returning home himself, sack in hand. "'How much did you get for the hide?' his mother asked when he entered the kitchen. Foolish John held up the large sack of money and replied, I got a dollar for every hair on the hide, before plunking the sack down on the table. My son, my son, his mother exclaimed, sometimes I wonder if you are as foolish as people think. Because of the often intermixed African heritage, a number of Cajun tales feature characters found therein. You'll probably be familiar with the tales from the south of Br'er Bear and Br'er Fox, but here are two relatives of Br'er Rabbit that rarely get the spotlight. Two rabbits, Bokwi and Lapin, lived deep in the swamps. They found a plot of dry land one day, and together they agreed to start a farm. Lapin proposed they split everything 50-50. Bokui would take all the parts that grew under the ground, and Lapin would get all the parts that grew above the ground. Bokui readily agreed to this arrangement, and the pair further stipulated that while Lapin would gather all the seeds they needed, Bokui would do all the plowing and planting. And again, Bokui agreed. After several weeks of Lapin carefully gathering seeds and Bokui just as carefully preparing the ground, they were finally ready, and at last the farm was planted. The pair then sat back and waited for things to grow. When the crops were finally ready for harvesting, Bokui and Lapin went through the fields and began collecting the fruits of their labors. Both rabbits collected all the corn and beans, cabbages and melons, and peas and broccoli they had grown. When everything on the farm had been collected, Lapin was quick to point out that all these things had grown above ground, and were therefore rightfully his by the terms of their agreement. Seeing that Bokui was sad because nothing had been planted to grow underground, Lapin told him he could have all the roots of the other plants to feed his cow. 
Next spring, when it came time to plant the farm again, Bokui decided to be clever. He insisted that this year, he would have all the parts that grew above ground, and Lappin would take all the parts that grew underground. Lappin agreed, and once again set out to collect all the seeds, while Bokui prepared the ground. And once again, after several weeks of gathering and preparing, the farm was at last planted, and the two rabbits sat down to wait. When autumn finally came, and all the plants had grown, the rabbits set about collecting up the fruit of their labors once more. Between them, they gathered up all the carrots and turnips, peanuts and potatoes, and radishes and rutabagas. When everything on the farm had been collected, Bokui was again disappointed because the only thing that had grown above ground was a small patch of inedible gourds. Although, to be fair, Lapin was perfectly happy to let Bokui make all the ladles he wanted from them. Take a moment to think about these three stories and see if any of them particularly make the case for being a fake. Is the lie the story about the innkeeper and the cider? How about Foolish John and his cowskin? Or maybe you think Bokui and Lapin is a hair false. It's up to you to decide, but consider carefully. One might be more tricky than you think. If you think you know, and even if you don't, send your guess to liar at folkliar.com. If you're correct, you'll be entered into a drawing for this episode's prize, a luxurious mug. Don't wait too long, though. You've only got five days from this episode's release date to enter. Be sure to include the episode title in the response, so I know which show you're entering for. We can be found on the web at folkliar.com and on Twitter at folk underscore liar. Folkliar is supported by your generous contributions on Buy Me A Coffee. Head over to buymeacoffee.com slash fiddleback to become a member and support the show. You'll join the likes of Brandon G, Parrish DK, and Zoni Jaza who now get access to early episode releases, transcripts, and private Discord chats. You'll be in fine company. Just go to buymeacoffee.com fiddleback and become a member. Thanks for listening. Folklier is a production of Fiddleback Productions and is researched, written, and produced by Brian Casey. Music was provided by Blue Dot Sessions. Our luxurious mug prize is awarded by random draw from among all correct entries. Entries are only accepted by email to liar at folkliar.com. Entries are due no later than five days after the episode is first published. One entry per person, please.